Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. Welcome, everyone, to Manufacturing Talk Radio. We're glad to be back with you with this show. Actually, we have a lot of great information, so much so on the global scene that we've broken it into two shows. We have one show today that is uh, with Royce Lowe, Chung Wang, and Chad Moutray. Royce Lowe is our senior international correspondent for the U.K. and the E.U., Chung Wang reports to us from Asia, and Chad Moutre is the chief economist for the National Association of Manufacturers. Tomorrow, we're going to release our show with our senior international correspondent, Norbert Orr, who has got just so much great information, we want to do that standalone. So that's what's happening in terms of shows this week, and Lou has some more information from us for last week and upcoming shows and the news. Yeah, last week's show, uh, we had uh, Anthony Nieves, who's the committee chair for the Institute of Supply Management, reporting on the non-manufacturing index, which has gone up also uh, to 57.4, which shows uh, very strong and and supports the fact that uh, consumer spending and consumer confidence has really picked up. Uh, There is, in non-manufacturing, there are one or two manufacturing sectors that actually are in the non-manufacturing, which actually plays a big part for uh, All Metals and Forge Group, our our primary business, uh, and that's mining. And mining has picked up tremendously over this past year. Uh, A lot of heavy equipment and a lot of heavy uh, steel forgings that uh, we also supply. So that's uh, a a great segment. And uh, But that said, we have a very special guest on for uh, from last week's show. Uh, some of you may have already heard it. And it's Tim Grady from Manufacturing Talk Radio. Uh, Tim was interviewed uh, down in Atlanta by an organization called BusinessRadioX.com. And uh, if you want to know a lot more about Manufacturing Talk Radio, what we, where we came from, where we are, and where we're going. Tune in to the last week's show. Listen to Tim tell his tale, and uh, you'll get a better insight into what we do. Uh, next week's show, not the second week of this week, but the next week's show, we have Travis Walker from the Carlisle Group. They are an uh, executive recruiter who specializes in uh, finding C-suite level manufacturing candidates. Um, They have been recognized in the world of 1,500 recruiters as the top, one of the top 50. And uh, they've they've got, uh, they're part of the MRIN network of 1,500 recruiters globally, and they are one in in 50. and moving forward, uh, we are also having uh, Aaron Shiving from Lifecycle Biotechnology. He's director of sales and marketing, and it's edges on manufacturing of pharmaceuticals and plastics. And they have three brands, and they talk, he talks. We'll be talking about um, 
how manufacturing works in the pharmaceutical and plastic industry, which I'm sure some of you are also uh, involved in. Um, a couple of news items. Uh, seems so President Trump missed a deadline for a uh, steel tariff uh, decision. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And uh, it seems as though that uh, he was supposed to slap tariffs on foreign steel. That hasn't happened. And uh, maybe he's smarter than all of us because uh, China has shut down many a steel mill, shut down the steel mills that are not environmentally sound. So they've shut down a lot of uh, mills. And uh, they've gone to... Uh, as a result, the steel prices have actually gone up. So as this China prices go up, export to the United States has gone down. So maybe we're not going to have to have tariffs, uh, and we'll see how that all plays out. A couple of interesting stories about uh, companies, manufacturing companies that are are in the mode of expanding. Uh, ML Industries, a Rosemont-based manufacturer of engineered springs and fasteners and machine parts, just bought TriStar Industries, uh, and they make threaded parts for plastics and so on. So they're doing a merge. They're now spreading their market into plastics and not only steel parts. Uh, the Thomas Betts Company invested $20 million to create 90 new jobs in Memphis, uh, and that uh, seems to be the trend that is beginning to happen now, that there are a lot more companies that are willing to spend money and uh, look to bring create new jobs and so on. Um, there is uh, Jay Timmons, who's the president of NAM, who... Uh, we've talked about in the past, uh, actually uh, came out in support of having a different nominee for the XM Bank than the one that presently is nominated, uh, and that's Scott Garrett, uh, who is an opponent of XM Bank. Seems foolhardy that we would try and have him to be the uh, head, head guy at XM Bank. Jay Tim's doing a great job. He wrote an article in the Wall Street Journal op-ed section last week, and uh, I tip, tip my hat to you. Uh, all in all, uh, contract machining is growing all over the country, Ohio, Canada, Mexico, uh, throughout the entire Rust Belt. Uh, and I, I think that this all falls in line with uh, our stories that we've been doing about global expansion, economy expansion here in North America. And it's, it seems as though everything's beginning to smell like roses. Tim, bring it on. We have with us now Chad Moutre, who's the chief economist of the National Association of Manufacturers, an organization we particularly enjoy working with, and we encourage all of our listeners to become members of NAM. You can find them at nam.org. Chad, welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thank you. Thank you. It's always great to be on your show. Thank you. It's always nice seeing you when we meet at these uh, functions. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's always good to talk to you about manufacturing, and it's always good to see you in person, Lou. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Chad, you came out with a Monday economic report, which you do every Monday, and it had a rather interesting chart in it. And the chart, you know, at first glance makes manufacturing look like it's one month good, one month bad, one month good, one month bad as we're yeah. into March, April, May, June. Um, is it just a very sensitive chart to change? <laughs> well, we've seen a lot of, I think I even used the word choppiness uh, so far in the spring months. And, and, uh, uh, I think certainly, I think from a, from a manufacturing production standpoint, uh, we've seen uh, certainly disappointing numbers every other month. Like you kind of you know see, a seesaw effect. I think you know the bottom the bottom line is that when you look at the longer term trend data, manufacturing to this year is doing a lot better than it was say last year. Certainly on a year over year basis, manufacturing production is up 1.2 percent, and that's certainly better than last year where we were just barely growing. Right. Uh, but uh, admittedly, we've had uh, uh, you know a, a number of, of soft spots in the spring months. Uh, we've seen a lot of sentiment surveys kind of ease a little bit, kind of pull back. Uh, I think we've talked on this show before about the Trump bump, and I think you know there's that, that widespread between where sentiment surveys were coming out, including ours, uh, and that that hard data. You know, with the fact that we haven't seen as, as stronger growth on on the hard data side as we have on the soft data side. Right. And, um, I think the other, the other challenge has been that you know we've seen weaker motor vehicle sales so far this year and a number of other categories. So uh, that those weaknesses I think really show up in the data. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm taking it this this uh, the, the data from June as a positive point. Hopefully we can continue to grow from this point forward uh, and continue to build on on some of those strengths. Uh, July and August uh, tend to be you know the big vacation month and 15 percent of our uh, Fifteen uh, percent of our population is uh, basically on vacation, and yeah. even with that, you feel that July and August could see a well. I wasn't manufacturing pump. I wasn't limiting it to July and August. I guess and my my optimism oh. there. But you're right. Yeah, last August, actually, if you remember, the, the last time the ISM the data contracted was last August, right? So right. Uh, we we do tend to see uh, a bit of a lull in the month of August. But I, you know, when you look at overall optimism, hiring and capital spending you know, data tend to be um, the outlook at least look pretty pretty promising for it. In fact, even in the Monday report, you'll notice that the rate of hiring for manufacturing actually was at its fastest pace in in, in about a decade. So uh, that that obviously is a nice nice sign that at least. From a from an investment and manufacturing standpoint, uh, manufacturers are still investing in their people, uh, and 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 obviously, and hopefully, we'll see better data in the capital spending as well. And, uh, just a quick question on manufacturing hiring. I note that your Monday report said manufacturers hired 332,000 workers in May. Yeah. Uh, up from 314,000 in April. Uh, I guess I don't. Uh, I'm not familiar with that kind of hiring in manufacturing itself. I, I would have expected that to be hiring, all hiring. So what you typically see, you know, what this is, this is taking it from the JOLTS data, the Job Openings and Labor Turnover Survey data. And so okay. the word hiring is, this is how many people manufacturers hired in the month of May. This has a bit of a lag, and it was 332,000. That's not the number that you see on the job report every single month, right? Because the number that you see from the job report is net hiring, which is hiring minus separations. 
uh, and, and I noted that in the JOLTS data for, for May, there was 327,000 separations. Uh, so you have to subtract out 332 minus 327, and that's the number, that that, that 5,000 number is what you would see in the monthly job report. Got um, uh, I like the JOLTS data because it gives you, number one, it gives you job openings, which that's the only source we have for job openings. But it also gives you more information about, um, for instance, on the separation side, uh, that breaks it out by layoff, separations, you know, retirements, et cetera. Okay. Great. I appreciate that. I need to understand that. Being that you brought it up, what is our uh, retiring rate at this point? Uh, I, I've heard numbers like 10,000 a day are retiring in this country, and that seems to be just such an outlandish number. Do you, is that correct, or do you have a more uh, um, more correct uh, number? You ask a question that I don't know the answer to. How's that? For uh, we don't have oh. to look it up for you, but I, I don't know. I, 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 I would suspect <laughs> that as we as the baby boomers retire, that number would continue to accelerate. But I don't actually sure. I don't have a rate for you. Okay, we'll, um, we'll find that. And let you know. <laughs> uh, I, I will say this about uh, one of the other things that was in the Monday report uh, was a lot of mixed messages on the consumer uh, in June. Uh, so, you know, economists like to say on the one hand, on the other hand, right? So we had a lot of that last week. Um, uh, you know, on the one hand, on the positive side, you saw uh, con consumer credit go up pretty substantially, right? So people were more willing to take on credit card debt than we've seen in, in, in much of the spring. Uh, you can take that as a positive or negative, right, depending on your perception of debt. But but from a pure spending standpoint, it was a sign that the consumer was more willing to spend. Um, yet at the same time you had that, you had both consumer confidence, uh, small business confidence, and retail sales numbers that were disappointing. Um, and uh, uh, I think one of the more interesting things, not to get too political on you, but it was pretty, it was pretty clear when you're looking at the consumer confidence numbers that the drop really came amongst primarily Republicans. Um, Republicans have been pretty ecstatic since the election, and, and you've seen that start to really decelerate or ease a little bit in the last couple months as, as you continue to see stalemate here in Washington. Um, still, overall, a lot of optimism amongst consumers, but, but you've seen that number pull back a little bit as, as the policy sausage-making sausage has become a little bit more hairy. <laughs> yeah, it clearly has become more hairy. Um, just on that subject, in terms of uh, getting things accomplished in Washington, what's the National Association of Manufacturers' view that of the likelihood of getting, you know, the big three taken care of: tax reform, regulatory reform, health care reform? Is it likely to happen, uh, or is one of those going to drop out of the box? Well, I mean, obviously, health care uh, reform, um, I'll start with that one since it's the most, in, in chronological order, that's the one that would be taken care of first. Um, I mean, that, that obviously is really, really, really threading the needle, right? Uh, Senator McConnell has to get 50 votes, um, with a tiebreaker being the vice president, and um, that's, that's going to be a challenge. Um, you saw where that vote has been postponed because of uh, eye surgery for Senator McCain. Mm -hmm. And so... Uh, it's possible they might have that vote uh, before the August recess, although the August recess was pushed back, as you know. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, that one is going to be a, a bit of a hurdle uh, to, to overcome. Um, uh, I think when you mentioned the big three, I actually thought uh, tax reform, infrastructure spending, and regulatory. Um, and and uh. I, 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 think, I think we're still optimistic that that tax reform will happen, hopefully later this year. I mean, there's... 
think certainly if we can ever get past this health care debate, I think that that's next up in, in line in terms of what they want to tackle. And, and you're already seeing um, both the House and the Senate and the White House kind of coming together to try to come up with some type of consensus on that. Um, infrastructure probably will be a later this year, beginning of next year thing. I think certainly there's going to be some momentum on that. Uh, the one thing that you actually have seen tangible progress on uh, is on the regulatory side, and we've, we've already seen, uh, you know, the president sign at least I think it's 14 Congressional Review Act pieces of legislation, uh, and you're already seeing some pretty fundamental uh, changes in terms of how the administration plans to deal with regulations. Uh, and, and I believe that they're going to be issuing uh, sometime maybe even this week something on the regulatory side in terms of uh, some additional guidance from the from the White House. So um, that's certainly the one that has been the most promising. Although I think we we're still cautiously optimistic that tax reform could happen, you know, later this year. Chad, is this uh, administration still uh, fairly productive in terms or comparison to previous administrations to getting things done despite all of the uh, brouhaha over the election interference in Russia? Well, I mean, it depends on your yardstick. Um, certainly, I think that they've passed a number of uh, pieces of legislation uh, earlier this year, so I think more than we've seen in past administrations at this time point, although, to be fair, many of those were those CRA bills, right, those 14 CRA bills. Um, again, that's the first time that any president has ever used that um, to that extent. So, um, so I guess from that standpoint, yes, a number of pieces of legislation signed. Um, but I think there also has been frustration that we haven't dealt with the tax reforms and, you know, those bigger issues that really the business community cares about mo most. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chad, there was something that I, I picked up uh, along a storyline uh, regarding uh, Senator Graham's uh, requesting to have a new uh, XM Bank nominee and have Scott Garrett removed uh did, have you heard who they're talking about as as a replacement for scott garrett uh, i do not know who they're thinking of uh, as, but as you know uh, uh, our president and ceo jay timmons uh had an op-ed last week in the wall street journal i think it was last thursday i could be wrong right. today, but i think it was last thursday uh, where he came out, uh, maybe actually it was Wednesday, I think. Now that I think of it, uh, where where he he came out pretty strongly and said that that the president needs to replace that nominee because you know, Scott Garrett did not, you know, has always been an opponent of the XM Bank, and so uh, we really need to strengthen the bank rather than to weaken it. So uh, I think you've seen a number of folks in the business community, led by Jay Timmons and, and that CEO, but you've seen a number of folks in the business community since then come out pretty strongly against him. Yeah, I, I happened to have read that article, and I, I thought it was a great article by Jay. And uh, they really need to get Scott Garrett, in my opinion, you know, off the radar. Uh, we got we got rid of him from the state of New Jersey, uh, where he wasn't particularly popular. And now to put him in XM Bank, which he is an opponent of, uh, seems to make uh, little or no sense. Yeah, I mean, I think our, our our issue obviously is just that he opposes the Exxon Bank, so sure. uh, that that's the re that's the reason why. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in terms of manufacturing here doing so well in the U.S. at least at the moment, and the ISM being particularly strong since the first of the year, how is it looking in uh, Europe, for for example, Chad? 
That's a very good segue to the global report that we put out that also came out last week. Um, we actually continue to see really strong data coming out of Europe. Um, you know, lots of drama uh, politically with regard to Brexit and other issues, but um, we see we've seen the European PMI numbers uh, at a six-year high, the highest number since April 2011. It's actually several months in a row I've made that claim. Uh, and and it really kind of led by Germany. Um, uh, it continues to be that powerhouse behind much of, of European performance. Uh, and we've seen, uh, you know, in general, uh, industrial production was pretty strong. Uh, also in, in May, up 1.3% um, in the Eurozone. Uh, and that's the fastest, really, since last, last November. So uh, clearly a sign that at least the European economy, at least in my view, is, is one of the brighter spots. Um, even its unemployment rate now is, is at its lowest level since March 2009. So um, I actually think Europe is one of the bright spots in the, in the, in the world. Uh, uh, given all the number of challenges that I've had really over the last few years, that's, pretty, that's a pretty big accomplishment. Yes, we're certainly encouraged to see even Greece pop up above 50 for their ISM number. So there's some strengthening there. How about Asia? Well, in Asia, uh, I think obviously when you talk about Asia, you have to talk about China. Uh, China, Chinese, we actually got new numbers this morning, actually, that, that uh, their GDP grew 6.9% uh, in the most recent data. And, uh, you know, just flash back to this time last year, China was a real risk, right? And still, some of those risks still are there. We're somewhat papering over them. Uh, but they, they, they've done a good job, the Chinese government has, of, of managing that problem. Um, and we've seen much better data coming out of out of China in the last couple quarters than, than certainly many of us uh, might have feared. So uh, they're going to continue to decelerate over the longer term in terms of their growth as they continue to mature. But I think the risks that were there, you know, the, the, remember, again, this time last year, there was a lot of worry about whether China, China would send us into a global recession. You know, I think those have mostly right. abated at this point. Uh, and, and, you know, Japan continues to hold its own, uh, growing somewhat modestly, perhaps not as fast as we would like. Uh, and in the many of the other emerging markets in Asia and, and even in Latin America, we've seen some progress uh, again over the last few months. Uh, I, one of the things that I do in my global report is I actually look at the top 15 markets for U.S. Uh, manufactured goods. So obviously Canada and Mexico are our top trading partners, but after that's China, Japan, the UK and Germany, etc. Uh, there was no country in the top 15 that was contracting in the month of June, and so that's a huge accomplishment. Uh, first time we've really had that in a, in a few years. Uh, this time last year we had about half of the countries that were contracting. So it, it really shows you how much progress we've made uh, in terms of the global economy. Oh, that's excellent. And is Africa an up-and-coming nation that we don't hear much about, or is it still developing? It's still an emerging market. Uh, we still label it in the emerging market camp. Uh, South South Africa is sometimes included in the BRICS. Um, you know, when you think of the BRIC nations as Brazil, Russia, India, and China, there are some folks who include South Africa there. So that that would be BRICS, B-R-I-C-S, um, uh, in terms of the top emerging markets. But you're seeing uh, strength even up up in northern uh, Africa, in terms of uh, you know Lebanon and, and other places. So. Kenya, Nigeria, et cetera. So uh, I think it still continues to be an emerging market. The Chinese are investing pretty heavily in, in Africa, have been for a number of years, especially because of the natural resources that are there. Uh, but I, I, I think we still can continue to see it uh, as an up-and-coming area for growth uh, over the next you know, few decades. 
Does the U.S. invest much in Africa? We do. Uh, I don't think we invest there as much as we do in other markets, but we do. Okay. Okay. Uh, I think the Chinese have been going there mostly because they need the resources. Oh, all right. Anything else you'd care to share with our listeners before we wrap up this segment? No, I think I think that that's it. I mean, I guess the, the other the other big thing to talk about, I guess, with regard to the Fed, to the Federal Reserve is, you know, again, a lot of mixed data in general about the economy, even as we've discussed earlier with consumers and in the manufacturing sector. But I think that the Fed is clearly primed to raise interest rates at least one more time this year. Um, I was quoted in the Wall Street Journal last week uh, of saying I was torn between uh, September and December for when the next rate increase would be. I actually think it'll be September, but I could be convinced otherwise. Uh, not one of my better quotes. I guess I should be more decisive in my quotes. <laughs> I quote the quote, I guess. Uh, but the one thing that I do think that will definitely happen starting in September, and the Fed's really laid the groundwork for this, is they're going to start uh, uh, just decreasing the size of their balance sheet. Um, and, and that I think will start actually in the September at their, at their September meeting. If you know the Fed's balance sheet is now over four and a half trillion, roughly four and a half trillion, and uh, they're going to start bringing the size of that down uh, gradually over over a period of, of a few years. So. Well, that's got to be positive. Uh, uh, Lou, anything else to add? Uh, no, I, you know, as usual, uh, Chad uh, has a very complete, concise, and uh, well-versed knowledge of what's going on in the world. Uh, there are those side comments of if this, then that, or it could be or maybe, uh, but that's an economist thing, so uh, we accept you for it. What, what that is, Chad. And I, 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 very, I give you much more decisive quotes than I give the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> I appreciate that, and we'll let them know that. <laughs> <laughs> thank anyway. you for being thanks for well, being thank on you. the show and we appreciate it okay thanks have a great day you thanks. too we've been we've been speaking with chad moutre who's the chief economist for the national association of manufacturers and we'll be right back manufacturing talk radio will be right back elevate your career and stay ahead of the curve with eism brought to you by the institute for supply management EISM is the first on-the-go lifestyle-compatible learning initiative in the industry. It features hyper-short 15-minute modules and guided learning courses that can be completed in as few as three weeks, just right for you or your team. It's the world's largest one-stop online learning shop for supply management. Register today at ismelearning.org. How do you keep your business humming? Where do you go when you're looking for quality suppliers of new equipment, components, MRO supplies, repair services, or even raw materials? 30 years ago, you would have turned to the Thomas Register. Today, those big green books are better than ever at thomasnet.com, industry's leading platform for product sourcing and supplier discovery. You can easily find that local machine shop, national distributor, OEM, or any supplier having the right quality certification. Fast and free. You can even get to specific products, components, or downloadable 3D CAD drawings simply by entering specifications or part numbers. There's a reason ThomasNet.com has become the go-to supplier discovery tool for procurement professionals and engineers. There's simply no other resource like it, and it's all free. Go to ThomasNet.com today and 
See how top-notch supplier discovery doesn't have to put a dent into your bottom line. All Metals and Forge Group is an ISO 9001 AS and EN 9100 manufacturer of open die forgings and seamless rolled rings in alloy, carbon, stainless and tool steels, aluminum, copper, titanium, and nickel alloys. Visit us at steelforge.com or call 800-600-9290. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. In this segment of Manufacturing Talk Radio, we're going to be speaking with Royce Lowe, our Senior International Correspondent for the EU and the UK. Royce is back with us. Thanks for joining us again, Royce, on Manufacturing Talk Radio. As always, a pleasure, Tim. Thank you. Thank Glad you much. You. Glad to have you. And Lou. Thank you, Lou. And if they ever what? stop killing people there, I might come and visit you again. <laughs> wow. You're coming to yeah, Paris, okay. too? You're going to bring yeah. your buddy with you again? Yeah, I, I hope not. Our president, how beautiful his wife is. Yeah. <laughs> Rex, what market would you like to talk about manufacturing in first? The, the U.K., which seems to still be doing well despite uh, all the Brexit stuff, or uh, Europe uh, in part or in whole? Well, uh, the U.K., uh, Tim, uh, um, the, the last results we got for the month of June, they were, they were down a little bit. Um, they were down to... Um, Oh, it down to about 54 from uh, originally uh, from May's uh, 57 point something. Um, it's it's still it's still good. It's still it's still growing, but it's, it doesn't look as quite as good as it was for uh, for a couple of months. It's at a effectively at a three month low here, and uh, car production is down uh, the fastest rate in uh, over two and a half years. And uh, there are there are on the ongoing um, the ongoing concerns about uh, what's going to happen with with Brexit, which of course I I won't go into in, in any great great detail because uh, it's it's going to be a couple of years before we know anything definite uh, uh, at the moment. But uh, there is still optimism in the uh, in the UK manufacturing industry. They're apparently 48% of the of the people polled said they expect um, production to increase in uh, in a year from now, and just about seven percent say it's going to be lower. But the economy, as such, uh, is is growing quite slowly. Uh, they're uh, they're talking from 0.2 percent in the first quarter. They're looking at 0.3 percent in the second quarter, uh, and uh, inflation is. Um, is, is around three percent, which is which is sort of high. It's it's higher than anywhere any place else in in Europe or uh, North America, for the, uh, as a matter of fact. So even though uh, even though uh, things are not looking too bad, uh, that there is and will be uh, an ongoing concern with uh, with with Europe, uh, with the European, uh, with the Brexit, and uh, there are people talking about pulling. Pulling work, workers out of the the UK, sending them to other parts of Europe, 
um, they, they, there's worry that they won't have enough people to do certain skilled jobs. There's worry that they won't have people uh, to pick fruit, etc., etc. Depending on on how the negotiations go, and um, the negotiations. Uh, um, they're being carried out on a weekly basis, and uh, reports will be uh, will be coming through uh, as to as to what's happening. The the major things right now are what's going to happen with um, with the, uh, the residents of, uh, of of the UK, the 3.2 million residents of the UK. Uh, what's going to happen with with the Irish border? That's that's an interesting one because uh, uh, Britain just forked out a billion pounds. To sort of appease <laughs> the the, uh, the people of Northern or the government of Northern Ireland, because of course there's going to be a, there's going to be a, an Irish border when um, when uh, Britain leaves the uh, the EU, uh, you'll have Ireland, which of course is a member of the uh, the EU, has been uh, has been for a long long time, um, and of course the the Northern Ireland, which of course is still a member, but but won't be. So they're, they're wondering what's going to happen. Uh, what's going to happen with that border? And the other thing, of course, is the uh, the exit fee, which uh, which which is going to cost. We don't know what yet. We we, we don't know with uh, with uh, with Brexit. We do know that um, we do know that uh, it's costing it's costing more for people to to live in in Britain these days. We do know that, of course, if it's costing more to live, maybe they won't buy as much. Maybe the consumer goods business will will start to fall off. There are an awful lot of uh, don't knows, there are an awful lot of maybes and, uh, and what have you. But uh, it's still it's still thumping along and it's still the uh, manufacturing economy is still growing. Uh, as I said, it's a, it's a wait and see, a wait and see for, for what happens in July. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.